And so today's message is entitled Acts of Yeshua's Emissaries, the Shelikim, Hebrew word, which means sent ones. Chapter 23 will begin in verse 1. That's Acts chapter 23 and beginning in verse 1. And as you're turning there, I'll pray, Father, your word is alive, is sharper than any double-edged sword. It has been sent forth by your spoken word that you would speak in things into existence. Your plan and the way that we're to walk and have relationship with you, Abba, Father God, through your son, Yeshua, by the power equipping of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. We look to you to bring to our knowledge, give us both understanding and discernment about your word so that we may be able to apply it to our daily lives, Father. And may we learn from those uh, saints of old, Almighty God, who were there for such a time as this, they arose to be a light and a testimony to their own people. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So continuing here in Acts chapter 23, verse 1. Shaul looked straight at them and said, Brothers, I've been discharging my obligations to God with a perfectly clear conscience. Right up to this day, but the Kohen Haggadah, Hananiah, ordered those standing near him to strike him on the mouth. Then Shaul said to him, God will strike you, you wash white wall. Will you sit there judging me according to Torah, and yet in violation of Torah, order me to be struck? The men nearby said, this is the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest of God, that you're insulting. Shaul said, I didn't know, brothers, that he was a Kohen Haggadah, for it says in the Torah, you are not to speak disparagingly of the ruler of your people. Where is that taken from? A direct quote from Shemot in Hebrew, which is the word Exodus in English, 22, 27, or 28 in your translation. It says this, you are not to curse God, and you are not to curse your leader of your people. So going forward here in Acts chapter 23, verse 6. But knowing that one part of the Sanhedrin consisted of, in most translations, it says the word Sadducees. The Hebrew word here is Zidukim, and other of the Pirishim, which are the Pharisees. Shaul shouted, brothers, I myself are a parush, that's spelled P-A-R-U-S-H, and a son of the Pirishim, son of a Pharisee. And it is concerning the hope of what? The resurrection of the dead that I'm being tried. When he said this, an argument arose between the Pershim, the Pharisees, and the Zidukim, who are the Sadducees. And now the crowd was divided. For Zidukim, the Sadducees, deny the resurrection and the existence of angels and spirits. Whereas the Purushim, the Pharisees, acknowledge both exist. Verse number nine. So there was a great uproar with some of the Torah teachers who were on the side of the Purushim, the Pharisees, 
standing up and joining in. We don't find anything wrong with this man. If a spirit or an angel spoke to him, what of it? The dispute became so violent that the commander, fearing that Shaul would be torn apart by them, ordered soldiers to go down and take him by force and bring him back into the barracks. The following night, the Lord Yeshua stood by him and said, we got to pause here for a second. This is some 20 years after that Yeshua had died upon the tree, the execution stake, and he rose from the dead. And now he appears. He literally appears and he stands next to who? But his servant, Shaul. There are people in the Middle East who are non-believers, mostly Arabs or followers of Islam that have testified time and time again that there's a man in white that appears to them. And soon after that, they recognize Allah as being a false god and Muhammad as a false uh, prophet. And there are testimony in the hundreds of thousands, not only in the Middle East, but people throughout the known world at this time who have testified about this appearance of this individual as a person in white. And we have to look at the results on this. It brings them to a saving faith of, of, of believing that Yeshua is God's Messiah. And for these Arabs who are taught from the time that they're being they're, they're feeding at their mother. From that time forward, they are taught to hate the Jewish people. After they meet this man in white, they come to acknowledge Yeshua, Jesus as their Messiah, and then they have a love for the Jewish people. No, I'm not proclaiming to you today that this is Yeshua appearing to them. I believe that will be revealed at another time, but we've got to look at the evidence here. Now, Rav Shaul is now speaking this. He's, he's speaking about the resurrection and who is the resurrection appears to him and speaks to him and comforts him and prophesies to him. Let's get back to the scripture here. That following night, the Lord Yeshua stood by him and said this, take courage. What is the Lord's message for us today? During this pandemic, no matter what we face in our life, trial, tribulation, sickness, disease, losing our employment, losing our home, losing all these things, losing loved ones. The Lord is speaking to us now and saying, take courage. Let's continue here. For just as you have been born a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem. Remember Acts chapter 22, where he appeared to uh, Rashul, the apostle Paul, in a vision and said, you need to get out of the city because they're not going to listen to you. That was 20 years prior to this occasion. And so the same Yeshua that rose from the dead, who's currently at the right hand of the Father in heaven, 
Don't put Yeshua in a box. The scripture says that he appeared then. Is he appearing to people today? Most likely. And he leads us into all truth. Yeshua came to speak the will of the Father. His last revelation to Yohanan in the book of Revelation, revealing Messiah and his plan for the end age, which I believe we're right at the very edge of the tribulation. Emir Safate, a brother, a brother in the Lord, a Jewish brother, has recently stated this, that Russia and Turkey and Iran and these other nations are ready at any moment to invade the land of Israel. If you, would, if you look, Turkey, the lira, it's diminishing. Russia is, is having a terrible time economically. Iran has all these sanctions against her. Israel has technology and defense. They have oil. They have natural gas. And if you read Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, where it speaks about them coming and invading the land of Israel. And what does it say in that scripture there? That God will defend Israel. That he will slay all the invaders. This can happen at any time. Are we listening to the, to the great shepherd? Do we hear his voice? Are we seeking God's word? Or are we just listening to what the news is telling us what's going on? Let's go forward here. Verse 11, the following night, the Lord Yeshua stood by him and said, take courage for just as you've been a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem, so now you must bear witness in Rome. And what was in the context, what was happening to him? These unbelieving Jews that did not believe that Yeshua is the promised Messiah, who he's now testifying to during the festival, what? Shabbat, which is what? It's the time remembrance of God giving the Ten Commandments to Moshe, Moses on that mountain. Fast forward in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It's a time when the Ruach HaKodesh were poured out upon the 120 uh, Jewish disciples, both men and women, who spoke in other tongues, and they manifested the gifts of the Spirit. It's this, this time, this setting. And Rav Shaul is now looking at his brothers here, and he's testifying with a good conscience as a Pharisee. As a Messianic Jew, Rabbi, how can someone be both a Pharisee and a Messianic Jew? As we get deeper into this message, I may not get to it today, but as we proceed, we'll go into all the details of this transformation in his life going forward here. Verse 11, following night, the Lord Yeshua stood by him and said, take courage, for just as you had you have been born a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem, so now you must bear witness to me in Rome. That means that those people that have blinders over their eyes, just as Rav Shaul once had a veil over his eyes. Remember in the former uh, message in chapter 22, I, I spoke about uh, Stephen and Rav Shaul was there 
holding the uh, coats of those that were in the midst of stoning Stephen. That's where Rav Shaul once was. And so by the grace and mercy of God, he's called back to give testimony of his transformed life, still remaining as a Jew, remaining as a Pharisee, a Messianic Jew. And for, for some people who say, Rabbi, you're out of your mind right now. How can you be a Pharisee and a Messianic Jew simultaneously? Let's continue here. The next day, some of the Judeans formed a conspiracy. Isn't that amazing today? We hear about this conspiracy going on, that conspiracy going on. You don't think a consp conspiracy is a new thing for believers to deal with through the ages? If you look at the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament, there are always conspiracies going on. Because Hasatan wants to bring God's light and testimony of his Jewish people to an end. If Hasatan was successful of destroying all the Jewish people that lived on the earth in the 1930s to the middle 40s, there would have never been established the nation of Israel. And Messiah Yeshua could not come back. If Satan is able to, to destroy every Jewish person on the face of this earth. And that Israel is even a nation today is one of the greatest end time prophecies fulfilled up to today. Let's go forward back in the scripture. The next day, some of the Judeans, some, not all, formed a conspiracy. They took what? An oath. Who are they making this oath, oath to? To Abba, Father God. But they have a veil over their eyes. They don't see clearly. They don't see Yeshua as the Messiah. They have not been redeemed. They have not been transformed by the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. Let's go forward here. They took an oath saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had called Shaul. Now think about the, the backdrop here. The Feast of Shavuot, the Ten Commandments. You were to do what, Yeshua? He gave testimony. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. But because they have a blinder over their eyes, just as Rav Shaul, who was breathing threats against the Messianic community, they need a divine visitation just as he has had. Let's go forward here. Verse 13. More than 40 were involved in this plot. That's a lot of men going forward here in verse number 14. They went to the head coinine, the high priest, and the elders and said, we have bound ourselves by an oath to ta taste no food until we have killed Shaul. Going forward here in verse 15. Here's the instruction. What you are to do is to make it appear to the commander, deception. And who is doing this? The person who represents God to the Jewish people, the high priest, who has a veil over his eyes because he does not see Yeshua as the promised Messiah. What you are to do 
is to make it appear to the commander. Who's the commander? The Roman commander. That you and the Sanhedrin want to get more accurate information about Shaul's case. So that he will bring him down to you. While we, for our part, are prepared to kill him before he ever gets here. Think now back to the portion there where Yeshua is standing before him and says, you've been my faithful witness in Jerusalem, and now you're going to Rome. See, that is spoken to his heart. And no matter what threats, what situation that Rav Shaul is facing, he knows that Yeshua's word is true. For over 20 years, he's experienced God's word, both revealed to him through the Tanakh, and the Brit Hadashah that he had a part in writing was yes and amen. And man cannot do anything against you until the Lord steps back and allows him to take your life. He knew and he was promised that he was to go to Rome. And Rav Shaul, this is his heart's desire was to go and meet the Messianic community in Rome. You know, the book of Romans was written prior to him even going to that city. And if we look at Acts chapter 2, what does it say? That there were Jewish pilgrims from the diaspora from Rome that came during that feast of Shabbat some 20 years earlier. And they received the good news. And they went back to Rome after celebrating the feast of the Lord and they established a messianic community. So it was his heart's desire because as we've gone through the life of Rav Shaul in the book of Acts, there were times when he desired to go to such and such a providence, which is in the modern day Turkey. And the Lord said no. And he obeyed. The spirit of the living God spoke to him and said, no, and he obeyed. He knows this, that Yeshua's word is true. Do we believe his word is true? Let's continue here. Verse 16. Now let's look at this very, very closely. Maybe some of us have read this over and over before. But there, I believe there's some new revelation you're going to see here. In verse 16. But the son of Shaul's sister. Wait a second, Rabbi Frank. I've never saw that before. The son of Shaul's sister. You mean, Rashaul, the apostle Paul, had a sister? According to scripture, yes. And he had a nephew? According to the scripture, yes. See, there are times when we read God's word over and over and over again. And there's times when the Lord reveals a veil from our eyes so we can see even more clearly what his word is saying. Think about that. Nowhere other in scripture that I've ever read, and I've been proven wrong before, have I ever been introduced that Rav Shaul had a living sister and he has a nephew. Going forward here. But the son of Shaul's sister, 
got wind of the planned ambush. He was probably in the midst there celebrating Shavuot. And think about this. In the times where, where Rav Shaul was in the city of Cilicia, in the province of Tarsus, in that whole area, Scripture doesn't record, but most likely he had an opportunity to share with his own sister his receiving of Messiah Yeshua. And think about this. Not only his sister, but also this nephew. See, the scripture here is giving us so much insight on how God desires not only for you to be saved, but for your whole household. And I'm speaking to Jewish people right now. Think of this. If you would simply come to Messiah by your life and testimony as a bridge that you build so that other family members can experience knowing God intimately. And God is able to use our testimony, use us imperfect people to be able to reach our family with the good news. Going forward here, verse 16, but the son of Shaul's sister got wind of the planned ambush. So these probably these 40 men and others were discussing all this. And here was Rav Shaul's son, excuse me, sister's nephew that was listening intently. Because I believe this, he loved his uncle. Shaul's sister loved her brother. And I believe if you can read between the lines here, Either you were for Yeshua and recognized him as the Messiah, or you did not. There's no gray area here. Let's go forward here. Verse 16. But the son of Shaul's sister got wind of the planned ambush, and he went into the barracks and told what? To his uncle. Now, any nephew that had not received Yeshua as his Messiah, would simply just walk away from the situation unless he had the veil removed from his eyes. And he had a relationship both with his uncle and his mother and with Yeshua himself. Let's continue here. Verse 17. Shaul called one of the officers and said, Take this man. And who's this man? This is Shaul's nephew. Up to the commander. He has something to tell him. See, uh, Rav Shaul did not want this testimony to come strictly from his lips, secondhand. He wanted to come from the source of the witness of this plot. Verse 18. So he took him. And who's the him here? but Shaul's nephew, and brought him to the commander and said, this prisoner, Shaul, called me and asked me to bring this young man, and who's this young man, but Shaul's nephew, to you, because he has something to tell you. He is a living witness to this plot. See, God sets his people in precarious places, and we gather information. 
But were we there sent therefore to proclaim and show light to God's kingdom? Let's go forward here. Verse 19. The commander took him, Shaul's nephew, by the hand. Think about that. So it doesn't tell us how old this young man is. But, you know, if you're talking to a very young man or, a, a, you know, a young teenager, think about this. This is a commander of the Roman army. And anytime a Jew came before a representative of Rome, they were in fear for their own lives. That commander could have said, you know what? I'm done with this situation. I'm ready to pass it on to someone else. But I believe the spirit of living God spoke to this commander's heart. And so he goes and he takes this young Jewish man, Shaul's nephew, by the hand. Let's continue here. And he led him aside privately and asked him. See, he didn't want any pressure. Because you know what? Wherever the commander was, he had soldiers that were guarding him with their uh, swords ready to draw and put anyone to death who moved an inch of any type of misconcepted, perceived idea that, that the commander was about to be assassinated. See, we have to fill in all these details here. So he led him aside and privately asked him, what is it? You have to tell me. He said, the Judeans. Not all, but this group of Judeans. They want to investigate his case more thoroughly. Both, but don't let yourself be talked into it. See, he could have just said, hey, this is their plan. This is their plot. I'm an eyewitness to what they're planning, and stand back. But now he gives instruction to a Roman uh, commander. Who has the chutzpah to do that now? I believe the spirit of living God spoke to him to encourage the commander, don't listen to them. Remember this, this is a young man. We're not given his age. So let's go forward here. The commander took him by the hand and led him aside and privately asked, what is it to you? What is, what is it that you have to tell me? He said, the Judeans, they want to investigate this case more thoroughly, but don't let them, let yourself be talked into it. Because more than 50 men are lying in wait for him. They have taken an oath neither to eat or drink until they kill him. And they are ready now, only waiting for you to give your consent to their request. And so now the ball is in the court of the commander. What is he going to do? And know this, that Rav Shaul in chapter 22 said that I'm a Roman citizen. That changed the whole demographics. Why? Because this commander said that he had paid very much to get this Roman citizenship for himself. But Rob Shaul said, I was born into it. See, all these details, if the Ruach HaKodesh, if the Holy Spirit is causing the Apostle Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, 
These things are very, very important for the spirit of living God to teach not only those living at that time, but us even today. As we face tribulations and trials and persecutions, how are we to conduct ourselves? Here is our example. Let's go forward here. Verse 22. The commander let the young man, who's the young man here? But Shaul's nephew, cautioning him, don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. This intel. Be silent. Anyone, that even means he doesn't know that uh, that uh, Shaul's sister is in the same city. Going forward here, verse 23. Then he summoned two of the captains and said, get 200 infantrymen ready to leave for Caesarea at nine o'clock tonight and 70 mounted cavalry and 200 spearmen. Also replacements for Shaul's horse when it gets tired. See, he knew this, that if he allowed those Jewish Judeans who had blinders over their eyes to get at Rav Shaul and he was he was put to death, that they were then killing a Roman citizen, which could be bring even war in the midst of Jerusalem. Because anyone who had a Roman citizenship, just as we as being American citizens, and I know those of you that may be listening from other countries, you have protections and you have rights in your country. And there is uh, justice to be paid to those who do not honor your rights and citizens of your country. So let's go forward here. And then the commander wrote the letter. This is the actual letter. Not literally the letter, but a concise format of what was said in the letter. And think about this. Uh, the Apostle Luke had to have access to this letter on a later date. So he could write down exactly. And we know this, that Luke was inspired by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God, who leads us into all truth. Can we, can we trust God's word as it is written and it's being reported to it? Yes and amen. So let's hear the letter. And the commander wrote the following letter. From Claudius... Lysias, now we learn the commander's name. And those living at that time of the writing of the book of Acts, as they received that book, would be able to investigate that, yes, there was a commander in Jerusalem, and his name was Claudius Lysias. Going forward here. To His Excellency Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Judeans, who's the man but Rav Shul, the Apostle Paul, and was about to be killed by them. When I came on the scene with my troops and rescued him, remember, they were gathering up dust and they were ready to, to throw him out of the temple courts. Going forward here. I came upon the scene with my troops and rescued him after learning that he was what? A Roman citizen. See, now that gets Felix attention. Why? Because Felix is answerable to Caesar in Rome in the Senate. Going forward here. 
I wanted, I wanted you to understand exactly what they are charging him with. So I brought him down to where their Sanhedrin. And who was the Sanhedrin? They were both Pharisees and Sadducees and Torah teachers who were part of the ruling class in Israel. These were from the time of Moshe, Moses, when he was asked to bring forth 70 elders who were, they, who were there to rightly judge according to the Torah, whether Torah was being violated or not. That's kind of a backdrop. And I'll go into more details on another message. So as we're going forward here, I found that he was charged in connection with questions of their Torah but that there was no charge deserving death or prison. See, because the Jewish people, the Sanhedrin, did not have the authority to put anyone to death. They did not have the, the authority to put anyone to death in the land of Israel without Roman leadership's permission. So that's, that's really significant here. So now as we go forward here. Verse 30. But when I was informed of the plot against this man, who's the man but Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, I immediately sent him to you and also ordered his accusers to state their case against him before you. See, he's now passing it on to a higher authority because he sees that the Sanhedrin here is just kind of, they're, they're arguing and they're being torn apart over this man. And this could would, would come as just a major outbreak in the land of Israel. He wants to quell things down. Because he knows that he will be ultimately held accountable by anything he says or he does. Because there's authorities above him in that chain of command that goes all the way to Rome. Caesar in the Senate. So let us go forward here. But when I was informed of the plot against the man, I immediately sent him to you and ordered his accusers to state their case against him before you. So soldiers following their orders took Shaul during the night and brought him to Antipatris. That's a city and a village, and I'll get into more detail about that. That's approximately 39 uh, miles south and a little bit uh, uh, west of present-day Mount Carmel. Let's go forward here. Then returned to the, then uh, he was returned to the barracks after leaving the Calvary to go on with him. The Calvary took him to Caesarea. Remember Rav Shul on his journey to celebrate Shavuot? He was able to go and he was able to, uh, to pass through the city of Caesarea, which was the headquarters of where Herod, uh, one of his palatial palaces, and also Pilate had a palatial area where he was the governor of that whole providence there. So going forward here. The Calvary took him to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor and handed Shaul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked, 
What providence is he from? On learning, he was from where? Cilicia. Where is that? In modern-day Turkey. Rashul was from what sea? Tarsus. Okay. He said, I will give you a full hearing after your accusers have also arrived. And ordered him to be what? Kept under guard where? In Herod's headquarters. Why? Why wasn't he put in prison? Because he's a Roman citizen. He has accusers, but he has not been found guilty. Praise be unto God. So today's part one of Acts chapter 23, Yeshua, Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, part one, the Shelachim, has now been completed.